This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Was an 18 to 7 vote at City Council. 18 to 7 to approve multiplexes. Um, That's not a new movie theater that'll go in your neighborhood. Who wouldn't be for that? I'd love to walk to the movies. I can't. Got to get in that car uh, until I get that little Sarat vehicle that uh, boots up and down the road. But 18 to 7 is the vote that allows four units in areas zoned for residential citywide. I'd have no problem with a multiplex on my street. I'd have no problem with a multiplex at the end of the street. You could put a lot of them there. Why? I want a thriving neighborhood. Now, is that going to cause issues with parking? Is that going to cause issues with um, some territory? Uh, Is the landlord going to be around to cut the lawn? These are all your standard questions. When you rent, when you slide in somewhere, what will the neighbors be like? Who will I share that sort of common front entrance with? Or am I sharing a backyard? I'll give you a quick story. We shared a multiplex with um, a, uh, this like is right out of a movie. But when I was 22, 23, three of us shared a multiplex. And there was like probably a 30, she seemed old to us then, but she was probably not. A 31, 32 year old woman now, I'm guessing. But we were really intimidated by her. She was really pretty. And we, and we didn't think we were pretty, maybe. Um, adorable and, 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 and semi-confident, but not pretty. And she would like kind of when we moved in, we're like, did she move in the same day? Because she's kind of taken over the backyard. She'd put something here. She'd have a lawn chair there. Then there's a radio here. She's got the porch lined up. It's her furniture, not ours. And we're like, what do we do? So those things will happen from time to time. Of course, they will. I want to play you Greg Lintern, the chief planner of the city. Doesn't get a lot of airtime, but in moments like this, this is kind of important. Here's him laying out how he hopes the landscape of renting, buying, space, vacancy, all changes in the city of Toronto. And we already know it needs to. My reference to affordable housing has been that this is a market um, housing supply uh, initiative, changing the zoning, being more permissive about the amount of housing that can be built in the city uh, over the long term inevitably will assist in people finding homes. Um, I've, I've really not commented on the price point that these units have been, uh, will be brought forward on, other than to say that they won't be affordable housing and been quite open about that. Um, but it does bring more choice and flexibility to more people and more in, in greater uh, diversity, uh, depending on their living arrangements, whether or not they have aging parents who want their own unit, uh, whether or not they want to rent out a unit to help them pay their mortgage, uh, whether or not those units are at $2,000, $2,500 a month, uh, they're still going to be supplying um, one, two, three-bedroom homes for people who do not have those homes today. Okay, all, all that all that makes sense. Seven people voted to get it. It's the usual suspects. It's it's Stephen Holiday. He's, you know, honestly, he's a, a, he's a great neighbor to have, I think, in the 20s. But probably more the 1920s than than the 2020s. I think he'd be a great neighbor to have in the 1920s. The Roaring 20s, oh, you'd have a roaring good time with Stephen Holiday and six other councillors uh, voted against it. Two points to make here. One from Jennifer Keysmat, who ran against John Tory. She wrote this. She's she knows her housing, urban planning, all that stuff like the back of her hand. Allowing multiplexes everywhere, taken with the removal of parking minimums, is the beginning of a new level of urbanization in Toronto. We need a diversity of housing types and enabling multiplexes everywhere is a step towards more inclusive neighborhoods. This wasn't even brought up in the last election campaign. It was dirt when when Jennifer ran, that's for sure. But I don't remember it in 2014 when Olivia 
Olivia Chow ran against first Rob Ford and then Doug Ford and then John Tory. Nobody was talking about multiplexes then. The other point to make is from Matt Elliott from the Toronto Star. And I like this one. Um, It's brilliant. I wish I'd thought of it myself. Cross another item off the list of reasons people offered for why Toronto needed strong mayor powers. Hell, council didn't even need a mayor to get this done, much less a strong one. Exactly. We don't know where. Jennifer McKelvey voted yes, but we couldn't. We don't know where she stands on this, where she sits on this. She wasn't a vocal person on this in the least and clearly wasn't as well when she got elected to council. So there you have it. 611, let's check in with uh, Shiba Siddiqui. We have a really, really busy show, and we're going to circle back. We had so much response yesterday from uh, the TDSB story and the Q Junior School and whatnot. I, I mentioned the multiplexes, and obviously you don't have them in your neighborhood. I don't have them in my neighborhood, but clearly yeah. there's a lot of people looking, saying this is going to revolu- revolutionize housing, renting, buying. The question is, what were we doing for 50 years banning them? Well, that's exactly the question. And who was banning them and why? So, I mean, I think this is one solution moving forward for our housing crisis in Toronto. Uh, it's not the the be-all and end-all like Brad Bradford has said. I mean, it is one of many. But I think it's going in the right direction. You're going to have those people, you know, the nimbyism that's going to come. I don't want it in my backyard. I don't want this. And there are some concerns that, concerns that people have. And they're legitimate concerns, right? They're, um, you can get off and get ter- territorial about, you know, what belongs to whom. Parking. They're really going to have to figure out parking and mm-hmm. parking issues. Uh, but a lot of people, a lot of counselors who were against it were often it was about the size of the proposed multiplexes and that will it actually be affordable? So they're not talking about, you know, what the pricing is going to be. Is it, is it actually going to be a guaranteed affordable unit that's going to be built? Uh, but I think, and then there's Jamal Myers. He brought up a really great point that he's a counselor for Scarborough North and he says that his, uh, his population in his ward is actually shrinking. Why? Because a lot of people can't afford to buy the homes where they grew up. So they're sort of moving out. It's nowadays his area is generally yeah. older because the kids that grew up there are now living in Durham or somewhere in London, Windsor, Ottawa, Montreal. So I think this is going to be one of many solutions moving forward. I, and I just feel like if, if I own a business, if you own a business, don't you want more people within walking distance of your business, biking distance of your business? Um, one transit stop within your business, like if you ran a gym, if you had a store, if you had a pub, if you sold, you know, uh, women's clothing, like you want the most people to be able to look at the Danforth. The reason those businesses thrive are the beaches, huge volumes of people can walk to where you are and check out your stores. That, that's oh, not I the place the where I live. I think the businesses will love it. Absolutely. I think the businesses would be all over it. I mean, it, it's a win-win for them. Um, I think it's it's the people who mm. live in the neighborhood, the residents that are really going to have to come. Some will love it and some will hate it for these reasons. I know reasons. I, I know we'll have a couple minutes. Uh, we'll have a lot more time than a couple minutes to get into the passport issue. But, you know, you and I were so busy with the show yesterday. This was this just kind of came out of nowhere. I heard last week. Ah, there was even a rumor they would change. The liberals wanted to change the passports to red from kind of a dark, a oh, dark blue, goodness. like a navy no. blue, put a giant L on them like their leather jackets that uh, PMJT wears when he's uh, trying to get elected. But out for loser. Nothing's nothing. <laughs> nothing's without its controversy. And you've heard about it, about it, right? No Terry Fox. No Vimy Rich. Where's the beaver? Why is there a narwhal? <laughs> so uh, why are there kids, ju- kids that don't? I can't see their faces and they're jumping in lakes. Um, you can't make everybody happy. I suppose the happy part is we can renew our passports at home now. And I never thought I'd see the day that would happen. That is the best part of this announcement. You can do this online. You know how you, I mean, you've been reading, you haven't gone to, have you got, actually you did go get a passport. 
No, I do. Yeah, not this. my own. Mine, mine still expires in November, Your so I, I got new work to do. I in did. November? November? Yeah. That's six months. You I can't better leave get the going. Country. I know. I know. I got to get going on this thing. Well, you can get all mine now. But I, I, be so I, much easier moving forward. Yeah, it was four. I, I budgeted the whole day, and I think I got out of there in three hours, and still had to come back and pick them up. Obviously, the next week. Did you get a five year or a ten year? Ten for what them. What did you get? Yes, good. Oh, good. Yeah, the five years. Yeah, that's the way to do it. But this is a controversy because, first of all, yeah, amazing news that you can do it online. Now, those lineups were just insane. Uh, But there are a lot of people that have an issue with this. For example, Brad West, he is the uh, mayor of Port Coquitlam. And this is what he had to say. He said, I'm the mayor of Terry Fox's hometown. Whoever made the decision to remove Mm. Terry Fox from Canadian passports needs to give their head a shake. So there is a controversy because he's not going to be in the new passport moving forward. Yeah, they kind of kept that quiet. Um, that was definitely a quiet thing. I think the uh, the veterans committees um, talked about Vimy Ridge um, because that was always in there. Terry Fox was always in there, and uh, and and I think it's what it sounds like. More secure, we'll be able to do it online. Some people say, like you look at other countries sometimes, and they have like I think our passports have twenty eight pages. Some countries have fifty. So you could have like why twenty eight pages was is a great question. Why not thirty eight? I have no idea. <laughs> What the answer is. And do we have, what What about raccoons, beavers? Um, how about spiders? We were talking about spiders on the show last week. Why raccoons, not that? No, no spiders. There's no, that's not Canadian. We need, we need a beaver and a moose on there. That's what we need. <laughs> Whatever's on our coins. Uh, we, and, and, uh, and, and Charles is a precocious Not King Charles. Not I do King not want Charles. King Charles in my passport. No. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. We have mayoral candidate and city councillor Brad Bradford in studio with us wearing a Maple Leafs jacket. Just you got to tell the voters. I asked the hard questions. Would you have worn the jacket had they lost last night, Brad? This jacket has uh, has a feeling of victory to it, and that's what we're all about. I've these seen you days. a lot in yeah, it the yeah. last three weeks, that's and right. they're down 3-1 in the series. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? These guys are resilient. They're fighters <laughs> just like me. I, I, I oh, said, okay. hey, I said that this series was going to seven. I said gave six Ooh. games for Tampa, seven. I said for Boston. I didn't think Florida would be here uh, either. Of but not. either way, we're going seven. So uh, let's get it done on Friday night. Okay, we'll see if indeed that happens. All, All right. right. Um, I, I mentioned to you yesterday, um, the videos. It's weird. It's It's been a weird... I wouldn't even call it... I, I think the star headline... I'm going to say this because I think the star does a lot of great work. I think the star headline's a little out there. Um, if, if women are telling quote-unquote horror stories... I'm not sure they would advance them as they have, but I see I see sort of a, a moment here where um, they're going to make the case. You've got to ask to utilize that for content, and I see your side saying anything that's good gets put out, you know, into the into the atmosphere, into the ether of the internet. Um, you're trying to help these women. You're trying to solve the problems so that this stuff never happens to them again. How do you view some of the reaction to it? Well, it's interesting. The reaction actually has been very positive. People are are like, you're bang on with the message. I don't feel safe on the TTC. I'm concerned about safety in our communities. And as a mayoral candidate, I'm engaging in thousands of conversations across the city, uh, in the community centers, on transit, on the streets, and yes, also on social media. We are meeting people where they are at. And I want folks to know, as your mayor, I am listening and I'll be a strong mayor of action responding to the issues. I'd ask you this, Greg, yeah. uh, any other candidate, you know, if this was Olivia Chow, would it be a story? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it would be a story. Um, but we are, we're engaging and meeting people where they're at. And, you know, 
this is how social media works. This is literally TikTok as a platform. It is about sharing and recreating content and stitching together different stories to make new content. So everyone can control their own privacy. I think these individuals put those stories out about their transit experience because they want to share it with the public. They want to vent. They want people to know how they're feeling. And I want them to know I'm listening and I will respond as they I, I, I think two things. I think I think to answer your question, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's less of a story. I think it's less of a story if a female makes those videos. I do. I do think that. I also look at them and go, is there any element of them going and, uh, and and wanting to have sort of a conversation with you? The one woman said, um, "I it, it's sort of like, re-traumatizes it for her but i'm thinking if if you know if they used it in a newscast media organizations kind of know like we can't just we wouldn't lift some the something from the bbc and then not say well this was on the bbc so again i i I see your heart being in the right place to try and solve these issues um for the women is there any any thought to do they reach out to you do you have a conversation with any of them to sort of say look this is who i am this is what i'm gunning for here Of course, I would have a conversation with anybody that wanted to chat, and we do that every day. But, you know, I think they're sharing their stories because they want people to understand the experience. And and I'm listening, you know, I am listening to those stories. It's it's a very authentic and real reaction. Like I'm scrolling through social media like everybody else. And it's 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 TTC safety. There's stories of affordability uh, in this city. There are stories of traffic congestion, frustration, not being able to get home to your family. I'm not gonna stop making these videos. I'm going to make more of these vis- videos because they resonate with Torontonians. This mayoralty campaign is about the issues that are impacting Torontonians, affordability, community safety, safety on TTC, and the gridlock in the city. And, you know, I'm channeling those experience of of everyday Torontonians. We're putting it out there on social media, and we have a plan to be a strong mayor of action and respond accordingly. I think um, so much of what we're going to get into, we'll get into multiplexes, we'll get into the gardener as well. On the safety front, it's not like things have necessarily calmed down, but there hasn't been one massive story. You and I have talked uh, about the Saturday night um, uh, kid at the Keel station who lost his life to 16-year-old. There hasn't been a moment like that, but to me, that doesn't tell me anything. I hear from people saying, I'm still nervous. I'm still, it, it, you know, my daughter's driving now. My 17-year-old daughter's driving now. She has to come back on a late shift. The TTC cuts haven't helped in terms of waiting at a bus stop by themselves for eight minutes. So these are still prominent issues. Yeah, it, it, it's the, these are the issues that impact people's everyday lives. And if people don't feel safe on the TTC, they're not going to be riding it. I hear from folks all the time, you know, oh, my kids used to take the TTC to school and maybe they still do, but you're texting mom or dad when you get on the bus and when you get to the station and when you get to school, that is different. That's a change in the dynamic. So, you know, for, for politicians out there who want to criticize me for social media and that's what they're focused on, I'd say, why don't you focus on the issues that are impacting people's day-to-day lives? It's not my social media. It's how people are feeling on the TTC, and we need concrete steps to actually make it safer for people. We need concrete steps to make the city more affordable, and we need concrete steps to get the city moving. That is where Torontonians are at right now. They don't care about my social media. Let's focus on the real issues. Let's make lives better for people in the city. Uh, the housing front is something um, you're it's, it's very much your meat and potatoes. Yesterday, city council votes 18 to 7 to approve multiplexes. We talked about these buildings before and how they've been prominent in other cities. I can't for the life of me understand how we just stopped building them for 40 years. But yesterday, even I'd ask if you breathe 
a sigh of relief when when you go to your debate last night. We still had seven counselors vote against it. There still was a lot of talk that maybe we'd scale this down to three uh, apartments per building instead of four. How do you view the vote yesterday and finally getting this done? It's a massive win, and I think it is a it's a new landmark here in the city, recognizing we need more housing options for more people in more neighborhoods. But I'll tell you, like we did two items at council yesterday. I don't know how long we were in the chamber ten hours, twelve hours. Two things got done, and and I got a little hot. I was a little frustrated. I said to my council colleagues, "There was a motion on the floor to defer this again. Again, defer this. We've been doing Who this that for three for years." Three years, and one of my colleagues wanted to defer it. Who was that? Uh, I think it was. I think it was Councillor Holiday. Uh, but there was a bunch of people that supported it. And my that po- was my guess. Yeah, and my and my point. My point there is like City Council is constantly tied up in political gridlock. We need to end the endless debate, deferral, and delay. You can't tell me we're in a housing crisis and then stand up and vote no against housing. Three years of work to get to this point to bring more housing options for more people in more neighborhoods. That is what this is about. If you are a new Canadian stepping off the tarmac at Pearson, if you are a young family, or if you are a senior who wants to stay in your community, you need housing options. Multiplex is not a silver bullet, uh, but it is a critical point where we can introduce more housing options for more people across this great city. So naturally, people might ask you, and I think it's only fair to ask the Josh Madlows. It's a, it's fair to ask, you know, Gord Perks. People have been on council a long time. Where was the multiplex urgency two years ago, four years ago, six years ago? Where, which, where do you think it was? It's a good question. I mean, councillors talk a big game about housing, uh, but, you know, they, they fail to act on it. And I've been there for four years on council, certainly long enough to diagnose the problems, but not been there a decade and complicit in, in all of those challenges. Every day I show up to work and say, how do we move this city forward? And I take real steps to do that. As the chair of planning and housing, getting this done years ago was inconceivable. And since I've stepped into that role, we've taken big steps on the housing file that will make a real difference. Today, we're going to fix housing now, you know, and that is a mm-hmm. program that's been in existence for five years. It's called Housing Now. It feels like housing never because we have 21 publicly owned sites, 40,000 theoretical units, and not a single shovel in the ground. It is a failure. When's that change? When can we get a shovel in the ground? Well, we're going to do that this summer. We're going to do that this summer because I'm going back and I'm fixing the program that that doesn't work because the math doesn't pencil on it. We need to be less focused on process and more focused on outcomes for Torontonians. That's what I will bring to this city as the mayor. And it is there's just been way too much talk and not enough action at City Hall. Yesterday's council meeting, like all of them, was very emblematic of that. I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. We have to drive things forward in this city. Yeah, you shouldn't have to have lunch and dinner there. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or just one big meal instead. Brad Bradford's in studio with us, running for mayor, uh, Toronto City Councilor. Now, I mentioned that 18 to 7 vote yesterday on the multiplex. Matt Elliott made this case in the Toronto Star. Does this negate the concept of why John Tory or you or anybody else would need strong mayor powers? Got it done. There isn't even a, there isn't even a, 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 there's a deputy mayor in Jennifer McKelvey. There's not even a mayor right now. And this got done, whereas many mayors, it's not just John Tory, it's Rob Ford, it's David Miller. Multiplexes weren't put on the table when people of all different ideologies had a chance to do this as mayor. Yeah, it's it's interesting, especially if you really rewind the clock to like a David Miller era here in Toronto. Some of those, quote, progressive policies are the ones that we're trying to deal with today that actually hold us back on the housing front. 
so it's it's always interesting the mental gymnastics all these people that position themselves as pro housing or progressives and actually bring forward policies that undermine our ability to deliver on that but you know i think strong mayor powers uh you know when it comes to housing and when it comes to infrastructure and the infrastructure that supports housing uh mm. it's needed because again look at yesterday did we get the vote done sure but when did we start the work july 2020 three years yeah. ago we got we 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 started this work and if we are in a housing crisis if we accept that young families are having a harder and harder time new canadians are coming here all the time but we don't have housing for them and seniors want to stay in their communities we need to do more on the housing front strong mayors has always been about how do we move infrastructure and housing forward at speed in the city and i think it's time that we have a response from local government that matches the level of crisis and challenges facing Torontonians on affordability. I also think, Brad, that the the NIMBY concept, the not-in-my-backyard concept, it, that doesn't really have a political ideology. I see people left, center, right, um, and and they all could be classes. It's a little like censorship. The right censors some things. So does the left. Like oh. I don't, I don't see, I don't see NIMBYism as as a political ideology that's on one side of the political spectrum. It's it's whoever is going to do attempt to sort of wink, wink, nod, 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 wink, wink to their to their voters. That's right. And you know what? It's interesting because some of the longtime quote progressives on council are the biggest hypocrites when it comes to the housing file. They talk about it all the time, but then they insert insert these poison pills where they actually undermine abilities to deliver housing. So everybody wants affordable housing. I want affordable housing. We need more housing options to make housing affordable. And you'll get folks that will slip a poison pill in there and say, well, it has to be 100% affordable. Okay, great. 100% affordable. How do you define that? Yeah. And who's going to build it? And who's going to build, build it? If the math doesn't pencil on a project, it doesn't move forward. So you've got all these candidates who are running and everyone's going to say they've got the best housing plan. If you don't fix the process, none of the housing gets built, which is what we have seen time and time again here in Toronto with our affordable housing plans. Great, great plan, but the math doesn't pencil. And so yeah. you can you can say 100% affordable, but if nobody's going to build it, you know, what is 40,000 times zero? It's zero. And that's what we've done so far. 25 councillors, give me a macro perspective. When you look at the whole council, wh whether you become mayor, whether you stay on council, is this a council that will punt less? You're obviously frustrated by delays. You're frustrated by inactivity, pushing things down. You and I even talked about something as simple as the the drink in the park last summer mm -hmm. with your famous "Don't be a dirtbag" line. I've tried to, I've tried to emulate that and not be a dirtbag in the last twelve months in any capacity. Thank you. The, sure, yeah, yeah. Once in a while, I slip up. Um, what what's the like? Is this a council that can be more proactive or just active? Period. Yesterday would indicate no. If you can only get through two things in ten hours. Yeah, it, it is a. It is a challenge and everybody just wants to, you know, consume the oxygen in the room. It is such an echo chamber at city council. And this mayoral race has brought crystal clarity of mission for me, you know, talking to thousands of Torontonians across the city. They care about affordability. They care about community safety and they care about the gridlock that is grinding the city to a halt. We don't talk about any of that in the council chamber. You know, we're going to have a discussion today reopening the Gardner debate from seven, eight years ago, a decision that's made contracts that have been issued 
hundreds of millions of dollars of work that is already underway. People want to revisit that for political opportunism and points. It doesn't help get the city moving. It doesn't help unlock housing, but it is an opportunity for one of my colleagues to stand up, beat his chest, grandstand, uh, and do the cynical type of politics that has Torontonians really frustrated. We need less talk. We need more action. We need leadership that's actually committed to moving the city forward. And, you know, it's political gridlock down there. And we just can't tolerate it anymore. The city's at a breaking point. We got to move things forward. We have four minutes left. I want to get two minutes in on the Gardner, two minutes in on on asking. Um, I, I heard Alex do an interview yesterday with uh, James Pasternak about um, about the FIFA bid and how the city manager can sign up on that. So I do want to get to that. But your idea for the Gardner is rebuild it faster 24 hour construction seven days a week i think two things one i'm i think there's some people that are surprised that that isn't already able to be the case and then the second thing is the cost are you then having to pay weekends and overtime does the gardener get more costly if we get it done faster the gardener gets more costly if we have endless delay and deferral and our inability to move that project forward. So again, Josh Matlow wants to go back and revisit a decision from seven years ago where hundreds of millions of dollars of sunk costs. You can see it very much on Lakeshore. That work is underway. Imagine going back and doing a five-year environmental assessment process. What, that takes us into 2028 and then having a, having a project move forward at that point. What are the costs going to be? What is the risk and the uncertainty in doing that? And with cost escalations in construction and labor and inflation, you think that project's going to be cheaper if we start it five years from now? Of course it's not. So Eglinton Crosstown, that project is three years delayed, billions of dollars over yeah. budget. The risk and the cost is in the uncertainty and the delays. So there are there's money to be saved by getting this done faster. So paying weekends and, and overtime is a fraction of what we've cost because we've laid this out for almost an extra half decade. That's Literally. right. And when I talk to folks in the industry, that's what they tell me. Yeah. You know, The faster you can get this done, you can contain costs. And more importantly, you drive towards certainty. You reduce the risk. Let's get it done faster. And let's also acknowledge that the GTHA loses $11 billion a year in productivity because of gridlock. The Gardner is a key artery. It's one of the busiest logistic quarters for shipping. Rochester, Toronto, Buffalo, Montreal, very, very busy. Those goods got to move. Mm. It's an important artery for people across the south end of the city. Uh, that decision's been made. Council should so show some leadership and move it forward. Two minutes left. The, the city manager, it looks like to me, um, some people laid this at the door of, of John Tory, and I probably did as well, it doesn't look like he was negotiating with MLSE on this World Cup deal with with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. This looks like the city manager was. I, I'm not saying that's untoward, but I'm asking if that's unusual to give the city manager that much power to go back and forth, 60-40, here's what we'll do, here's what you'll do. It, and it doesn't look like it can get pushed back onto, onto the council, uh, into the council chambers for debate. I will tell you, over the past couple of years and during the pandemic, there was a lot of delegated authority shipped out to civil servants. Why? And it's a good question. I mean, it was a war That should land at the it, mayor's doorstep, should yeah, it not? I, I agree. There was, it was a bit of a wartime effort, and everyone was rowing in the same direction. But as a result, um, we need more accountability at City Hall today. And as mayor, I will issue in a new era 
of accountability for our top civil servants, I will be issuing mayor's mandate letters that clearly articulate the priorities of every division head, every head of an agency, and hold them to account on those deliverables. And this is my view. It comes back to being a strong mayor of action. I want our top civil servants to have the same urgency that I have and that mm. Torontonians have on accomplishing the big issues, whether that's, you know, relieving the congestion, improving affordability, making our, our community safer. And having worked in the chief planner's office, having worked as a civil servant, I've seen it. There is too much of a pervasive attitude that whatever doesn't get done today can get done tomorrow. That's unacceptable. So mayor's mandate letters holding the civil service to account will bring in a new era of accountability and strong leadership at City Hall. Uh, we need to make sure that the folks who are elected by the people yeah. are driving the bus here. I'll tell you what it does for you, though. It puts you and every other counselor in a terrible spot because somebody will see you on the street and go, Brad, what's the, what's the story with this World Cup deal? You don't want to be able to say, I couldn't vote on it. I didn't know anything about it. Like you don't want to hear, you don't want to read about important council business with hundreds of millions of dollars in the newspaper. You no, got to make a call on that. That's right. And and again, I think I am I'm clearly communicating to our top civil servants and to Torontonians. Uh, they're going to hold me account accountable, and I'm going to hold them accountable. Uh, so the public will hold me accountable, and yeah. I'm going to hold the civil service accountable. We've lost that over the past couple of years, and it's time for a new era of accountability in the civil service to make sure that people are getting good value for those services and that we're getting good outcomes for Torontonians. How do people find your website? Uh, votebradford.ca is the best way to go for all the information on what we're running on. Thanks for coming in. Always a pleasure, Greg. Brad Bradford, looking for your vote June 26th on the mayoral election front. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Somebody who's a big fan of open society is joining us right now. He's Anthony Fury, and he's running for mayor of Toronto. It's great to have you in. Great to be back, sir. The last time we spoke to you, you um, you were in person, and uh, and you had talked about uh, the, the uh, Metrolinks. Right. And, and potentially launching legal action against them if you're mayor. How oh, we got to get noisy here. These delays, Greg, right. we're always hearing about. We can't take it sitting down anymore. We can't just shrug it off. We got to be a, a strong voice at the table saying, come on, guys, this ain't acceptable. We got to make sure the Ontario line doesn't have the same uh, challenges that Eglinton Crosstown did. And when you were in soon afterwards, um, noted author, university professor Jordan Peterson gave you an endorsement. You got it. Give us a, give us sort of the process of that happening and how that sort of relationship and connection manifests itself. We were talking and he said, I think you'd make a great mayor. There's more to it than that. There's a, that's a longer conversation. <laughs> I don't feel, I don't, I don't, I know you, I don't believe that's a two sentence conversation. Well, if you want to see what, much what, longer, what are the images that he cares about in Toronto that he thinks you could help basically his, his home city with? Well, we both talked about how much we love this city. And one of the things, Greg, that that I have been saying is that if you want to fall in love with Toronto all over again, go run for mayor because it is such an experience to go and just meet with people from all corners of the city, which I was always already doing for my job in media, but it's supercharged now. And this city is just full of so many amazing people, amazing places. And, and Peterson agreed with me that Toronto is an amazing place and it's a city worth fighting for. One of the things interesting about him is he really wanted to talk about beautification of Toronto and vibrancy because he's trying traveling the world. This is a guy who's going to sold out audiences all across the world, really. And people who travel a lot compare Toronto to different cities a lot. Why can't we have this? Why can't we have that? So he really wants to see beautification issues uh, of this city. And I think he and I will be making a bit of a joint uh, joint announcement later on down 
in the campaign, but it really is about love of Toronto and belief in Toronto's potential. And as I say, it's a city worth fighting for. And that's what I'm doing as, as the candidate who's who's the outsider here. I didn't broke, break it. I'm the one who can fix it. So Peterson comes, um, Peterson polarizes, but everybody polarizes. You do. I do. Everybody, nobody agrees. Everyone loves you, Greg. <laughs> nobody agrees on 100% of anything. Um, and, and that's the great thing. I've heard candidates say one of the best things going to the door is finding somebody that disagrees with something and having a reasonable conversation. We used to be able to have reasonable conversations without somebody saying, um, I'm not sure about your point, as opposed to I, I disagree with your point. I disagree with you. I don't like you, and I don't think you should get to make any more yeah. points from now on. And that happens on the that happens on the right, and that happens on the left. Yeah, and you know what? Going door to door, going to all the events in Toronto. The, I, I'm proud of someone. I'm proud to be someone who's taken strong positions over the years in my career. But I'm what you'd call a happy warrior. I get along with everyone, and when we're really sitting down and making these meaningful human connections, I mean, safe streets looking after our kids, our families, making sure there aren't needles in our parks, affordability, can't bring in, in any new taxes that'll harm uh, low-income folks, that'll disincentivize business. That's common cause. doesn't matter whether you're left, right, center. We can all agree that we got to get behind that stuff, and that's why I'm the guy to do this, Greg. Peterson comes with, with, um, with people. Obviously, you think there's more positives than negatives. Do you think you'll have more people say, I'm going to listen. I'm going to pay attention. Do you think you have some people that are like, that's not that's not an endorsement that I'd get behind. We, this will be more positive than negative, or you wouldn't be pleased it was happening. I'm honored to be endorsed by Dr. Jordan Peterson, honored to be endorsed by uh, Mark McEwen, by uh, Dr. Wei Dong Pei, prominent North York community leader, trustee, honored to be endorsed by uh, former liberal MP Dennis Mills, big businessman, community leader, and lots more to come, my friend. I want to talk about the TDSB, um, but we got about three minutes here uh, in this segment. So I, w- I think we can dive pretty deeply in- into the issues and what got everybody all fired up over the last day and a half. But let me ask you about the media. Um, you've worked in mainstream media with the Toronto Sun. True North, I think we'd argue, is not mainstream. It's different, right? It's not. How would you describe it? It's not. It's not what we describe as the MSM. Is that fair to say? You know, it's funny. Not you bring, conventional. It's funny you bring up schools because I said uh, when I was leading the newsroom there that uh, school board issues is one thing that traditional media, just through resources, hasn't covered that much anymore. Parents want to know what's going on at schools, and I said, guys, we got to cover this stuff. So they're covering stuff that I, I think is 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 terrain that needs to be focused on more. Quite frankly, that's what I'm doing on the campaign right now as well, Greg. There are a lot of issues that we haven't been talking about that have gotten a bit challenging in recent years, and I'm going to fight for residents on those issues. I've been saying for a while, I'm not sure we should have the school board trustees elected the same night we elect city councilors and mayors because it just doesn't get the same attention. I wish I wish it had its own spotlight. I don't know if that in, in, in if that enhances voters knowledge. I don't know if that increases voting numbers, but I think we'd be able to dive into the issues more, whereas it's all mayor, councilor, mayor, councilor, and, and they don't get the attention. It's a great point. And I'll tell you, going across the city, chatting with people, invariably, I say, what are your issues? People bring up the school system. I say, look, I'm not running to be trustee or education minister, but I can be your voice. I can advocate for parents. And Greg, what parents want to see now is a focus on academic excellence and school safety. None of this, whatever you want to call it, woke nonsense. The fact they're saying, oh, you can't put up a Mother's Day billboard. You made some great statements on that. Mm. The fact they're sending surveys home to grade twos and grade threes asking, are you non-binary? Parents of all walks of life, all political backgrounds, just say, come on, guys, enough with that. You've lost your way. And as mayor of Toronto... 
I will stand up for parents' voices, relay those concerns to the trustees, the director of education, and the provincial minister of education. I will be their advocate. Do you think there's um, an angle where, uh, or a time that's going to come where the education minister is going to look at school boards and say, what are we doing? Uh, either an amalgamation, I wouldn't call it an elimination, but I keep thinking that that's coming. And and I think if you lose someone like me, I'd consider myself a strong centrist up the middle person. If you lose me and I go, hey, school boards aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So I'm not going to go to the wall to save them. You lose me, you're going to lose a lot of other people who are really frustrated. Their effectiveness should be they step in, they make sure that everybody's getting the same at bats. They step in, they make sure there isn't inequality in the school, that there aren't bad teachers. But they've obviously stepped into terrain all over the place that parents, I think, not universally because nothing is, that parents say, that's not your business now by this point. And they're not polling on school issues when it comes to mayoral issues, but I actually think it's one of the big sleeper issues of the campaign, even though, of course, the mayor doesn't manage it. It's a provincial issue. That's where people's concerns are. And Greg, parents are getting in the game more. They are making their voices heard. Like I said, Dr. Pay, trustee endorsing me. I I think he's a real hero standing up on these issues, being an outsider perspective to advocate for parents. I will advocate for parents, parents' rights concerns in the school system, wanting school safety. We've got to deal with that issue a whole lot more. And then, of course, safety on our streets. One of the reasons, Greg, you know Mm -hmm. I want to tackle Mm -hmm. the drug crisis phase-out injection sites is because people don't want their kids walking on the streets anymore, taking the subway alone anymore, because they they think someone in a drug-induced psychosis might attack them. And that's what we've been seeing. But can I make the case that a mayor, John Tory was mayor for eight and a half years and really didn't dig in on the TDSB and say, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should not be doing. I know you'll say to the TDSB, uh, I, I do believe that, that you'll be in in their grill a little bit going, this is your mandate. Why aren't you following it? But ultimately, you have to pivot to the province and put the pressure on them, don't you? The biggest difference between me and everyone else running for mayor and all these incumbent politicians, I'm not afraid to make noise, Greg. I'm not afraid to do the thing that's standing up for regular folks, the silent majority, even if they say a few mean things about me in the newspapers, even if a few people show up at City Hall kicking and screaming with placards with rude names about me. Most politicians cave to that stuff. I won't cave to that stuff. I'll plant my feet firm down and I'll stand up for what's right and I'll advocate for the residents of Toronto. But you do have to pivot to the province, right? This is a provi- education is a provincial and I'll jurisdiction. You so, got it. So what can what can mayors do besides ask and plead they can't there's nothing tangible a mayor could do to change what the tdsb is or their makeup or their mandate so goes toronto so goes the nation i will stand up there i I will use the megaphone and i will make things happen because what i'm doing right now is seeking a mandate from people all across toronto what are the issues that matter to you how can mayor anthony fury fight for you and people are going to hear that if i get a clear mandate there you go. With uh, Anthony Fury, who's running for mayor. What's that website people can find out more about you if uh, if, you're, if you're a complete stranger to them? Fury.ca, F-U-R-E-Y.ca. Thanks, sir. Sure. <laughs> Happy to. And we'll get it in uh, again for the end of the show. I feel like uh, come hell or high water. What do you think of the new passports? Terry Fox should be on them. <laughs> yes. Canadian hero. That was kind of quiet that he's not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the bottom line, and this is what we're seeing really all across politics is that our similarities matter more than our differences and people from all walks of life across the city tell me we want to come together on our shared concerns. So anything that has a hint of divisiveness, let's get rid of this. Whatever you want to call it, woke nonsense, whatever the term is, you know, every Canadian of all backgrounds is happy to cheer for Terry Fox. They know he's a great Canadian hero.
Mm-hmm. You and I grew up and censorship was about things on the right. There was a sense in the states, right, that Jerry Falwell's the moral majority. You can't buy that that Prince album. We can't play that song on the radio. We can't have uh, nudity on uh, on television before a certain time of night. And it feels like it's sort of shifted a little bit. I think those parameters are our parents. When we were talking about what should be in schools, Anthony, our parents had those same questions about, well, what's going too far for sex education? There should be some. And the concept was, what if nobody's figured getting told anything at home? And I'm like, my dad didn't tell me a damn thing. And I didn't remember anything from school. So you kind of figure it out on your own. (laughs) But there is that sort of line that we're we're seeing move in a different way. And some of it is taking offense. And I even with this Q junior school. I look and I say, we got to get back to just, if it offends me, say so. But I'm not going to say, hey, this might offend some people or this might offend others. I'm not offended by it, but some people might. So I'm going to really dig in and get involved here. That's part of the online discourse that I I wish we could send the Internet to another planet because I think it created it. I'm not intimidated by the online discourse because I know that the regular folks, the silent majority, have not been heard on these issues. I'm going to be their advocate, even if people say mean things about me. And that's what's happening on the campaign trail. So with with this, not that they're saying mean things about me, what's happening is they want me to stand up uh, for these issues. And that's what I'm doing. So what's going on with the Mother's Day thing? Everybody knows this is nonsense, but the, the political well, class, cave? the leaders... Well, what's there the you- benefit in caving? Because people just don't like to take the heat. And the bottom line is, I'll take the heat when it comes to standing up for people. Taking down the Mother's Day sign was wrong. It's upset parents of all backgrounds. The bike lane issue, nobody wants to say it because the bike lobby is is so loud and vocal. But the vast majority of people say we've gone too far on these bike lanes. That's why I'm saying Mayor Fury will deal with them. No more bike lanes on major roads. Some of them we're going to have to rip up. When it comes to saying uh, many other issues, dealing with the law and order on our streets, I never once, Greg, never once bowed with the radicals when it came to their anti-police agenda. I never threw the police under the bus. All the other major candidates did. All of them. And I have no problem standing strong on these issues. And well, that's I guess what Mark I'm going to do. Mark Saunders didn't, but... I don't think Mark Saunders has thrown his own police force under the bus. Well, I think when you have 86% of police union members voting non-confidence in him, him when when there's an exodus of officers under, when he created the situation we're dealing with right now in law and order. Were you open-minded about safe injection sites originally? Like this is about reduce. This is about saving lives in the short term, making sure there aren't bad supplies. Because I think I was open-minded the data absolutely tells me that it, we cannot do this without some form of mandated treatment. We cannot do this without having people having come back and forth, back and forth. And here's what you've got around the area. You've got a bad, bad people looking to assault other people. You've got people potentially looking to push women who are desperate for money into terrible things. It's whether awful. it's prostitution or human trafficking. Like these are big words. But this stuff i'd love to use another word is happening i hear from parents who have kids who can't get out of this cycle of going over and over and over again were you open-minded about it at the start i was initially now we have the evidence and the status quo on this issue is a failure it's been 20 years the more injection sites canada has the more overdose deaths we have the more disorder on our streets greg toronto is at a turning point right now and as mayor of toronto I will make sure we don't move one step further to being like Vancouver, Seattle, San Francisco. The pictures, the videos we're seeing from those cities, just awful. So many of the random attacks on our street, Greg, on our public transit relate to the drug crisis. I have said no new injection sites. They're planning a number to bring in here 
in the in the coming months in the next couple of years. That won't happen under my watch as mayor. Instead, we'll pause, time out, take the resources already allocated to those, flip them into treatment centers because a compassionate society doesn't keep people on drugs. It gets them off of drugs. It'll help them and it'll help our families be safe. And when it comes to involuntary treatment, in the most severe cases, Greg, those people roaming the streets where you look at the person, you go, that person's imminently about to attack someone or they're imminently about to get themselves killed jumping into traffic. Clearly, those folks, we have provincial laws and processes already in place where we can say, all right, we're going to have to put you in treatment here. Well, this is anecdotal, but the first time ever, there's a shopper's drug mart about five minutes from my house. And uh, and now and then you'll get somebody that will ask you for change, and that's fine. And and I never have felt threatened before. Sure. Uh, but two weeks ago, about four in the afternoon, uh, there's a guy abs- where there's those little, you know, those little shopper's cart shopping carts. That you and I, when we're older, we're going to need because our knees will be bad and we'll have to lean in on, on getting our, uh, our medications. Um, he's he's passed out on the shopping carts. Guy is passed out. He's clearly been outside a while. Looks like he's got a sunburned face. And I'm thinking for all the people that are advocating for us to leave that person alone, not take him somewhere, not help him, not find out who he is, where he comes from and get treatment. They're not putting them in. Those advocates aren't putting that guy in their basement tonight and when those it, guys aren't taking him to to in, into their home for a cup of soup to try and sober him up they're just saying just leave him he gets he gets a, he's a human being he gets his level of independence and i think that's where we've got to move on this and say not only should we help him but we shouldn't have to worry about our sons and daughters someday here i go moral majority our sons and daughters dodging these guys like like they're they're you know they're obstacles on the street when they want to go into shoppers drug mart i know our 80 year old parents someday shouldn't be dodging these people either and you got it. The parents of addicts, former addicts, they all tell me, wouldn't you want to be put into treatment if this was you, if this was a loved one? You bet. And I'm the only candidate who said, I'm going to phase out the drug injection sites. We're going to be laser focused on treatment instead, working with the province, working with our partners. What do you partners. want the province to do, though? What can the province do? And which, what are they not? They're not doing stuff right now they should be doing, clearly. Yeah, right now we got to come together, the province, police, Toronto Public Health, the health networks, and say, we're going to focus on treatment. Right now, you can have an interaction with an addict where they're getting their needles, they're getting their drugs, they're going to hospital for overdose, and not once does someone even mention the word treatment. No. We got to go in a completely different direction. As mayor of Toronto, I, Anthony Fury, will do just that. That is one of the prime ways we can clean up our downtown, clean up our transit, deal with the drug crisis. It's a big uh, macro question, but I got 90 seconds for it. Are you getting the coverage um, that you thought you'd get? You enter this race and you know you're going against decade-long city councillors and you're going against people that have had prominent, but you've had a prominent platform in a major newspaper for a long time, and now you're on a growing website. Are you getting the coverage that you thought you would? Did you worry you wouldn't? Sure. I'm getting coverage everywhere. So thank you very much for the opportunity today, Greg. And and people can go to the website, fury.ca. And I'm, it's, it's great to be able to give those press conferences, talk about the issues that I am passionate about. More people joining the team every day. Anyone listening want to come on board? We would love to have you. And the bottom line is that I'm offering a fresh voice, a fresh perspective. The people who broke it are not the people to fix it. And every other candidate has played a role in getting Toronto to this place of decline it is now at. I love this city, Greg. It is a city worth fighting for. I've got three young children here. I'm doing this to fight for them. I'm doing this to stand up for all Toronto families. I know what it's like to scan the playground for needles and say, oh, sorry, kids, we got to head on from this park. We Mm. can't stay here anymore. Those sort of things that are happening to Toronto families, the affordability issues they're dealing with, 
I know what that's like. I know it's not acceptable, and I'm going to stand up to make Toronto safer, more affordable for everyone. I love this city. He is Anthony Fury. By the way, the Leafs are 1-0 on nights when uh, you're at a candidate's debate, so you're going to have to find one tomorrow night. I, you may have to find a soapbox and just start uh, shouting into the distance and debate with somebody walking by. You but, promised uh, me another website plug, Fury.ca. <laughs> F-U-R-E-Y.ca. Just, just half ago. Don't go to the wrong place. It's not a .co.uk. You got it. You, you never know what, where you'll end up if you go to a .co.uk. Anthony Fury is running for mayor. He wants your vote June 26. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news. Today's talk. 640 Toronto. We talked about the Q uh, Junior School sign issue yesterday. It's hard to remember a topic where so many people responded and had a, a visceral reaction. Uh, we had Nate Erskine-Smith in, liberal uh, leading uh, Ontario Liberal leader candidate, come in uh, studio with us to, to talk about all the things he wants to do. But that's in his riding. His son went to that school in junior kindergarten before his family moved. And I mean, I think he scoffed at, at the at the reaction um, from the school board and, and the school. I'm told the principal pushed. This is what I'm told. Pushed really hard to keep the sign. But you only push so far. You're not going to win. I want to bring on Toronto Catholic District School Board Trustee Marcus D. Domenico. Uh, we were chatting yesterday, and I asked him to weigh in on the topic, and he's graciously agreed. Marcus, it's great to have you on Toronto today. Thanks very much for making the time. Hey, good morning, Greg. How are you? Yeah, I'm really happy to have have you on. Um, you've got a, a a wealth of experience as a trustee in dealing with parental issues, and I'll get to some of how you handle these things. But what was your initial reaction from the Q school story going viral, and 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 what you saw of it? Well, it was kind of a mixture of somewhat astonishment, but also a little bit sad because the the thing I, that may be being missed here is that this, the sign, the idea for the sign, I believe, was coming from a group of grade six students who probably worked very hard to come up with an idea and, and then very proud to see it displayed. And then someone had to have a conversation with them later saying the sign is coming down. And keep in mind that these children are expressing their love for moms, all moms, and their own mom too. And um, that's a very difficult conversation, one that I I wish had, you know, would never have happened. Yeah, it's um, I, I couldn't believe how many parents I heard from. And I think but people said, here's what they said to me, Marcus. They said, everybody will find a way. There's always going to be somebody that takes offense to something, um, but you don't have to to cave you can try and accommodate them or if someone says hey that's my kid in there if a dad comes in and says he lost his mom what can we do mom's not on the scene what can we do schools will always listen to those concepts and accommodate but the idea is this mom didn't even have kids go to the school marcus and she says that's the worst sign i've ever seen well a it's not and b you're kind of getting into business that isn't your own well, there's a lot of pressure on principals, uh, mm -hmm. both within the parent community and within the exterior community. All of our principals, we, we try to be at the Catholic school board, very good neighbors. So traffic, noise, whatever. Um, and it's, you know, principals have got a lot to deal with. I have 13 principals in my ward at Tobacco Center, and I think they're superstars. They're absolutely amazing, and they are very compassionate and empathetic. And in the example you've given of a child who, who has lost a mom or, or is going through a divorce, uh, with their, their parents are going through a divorce, something that is breaking up their traditional family and the world uh, is sort of giving underneath their feet, of course we're going to honor and uh, their moms, all moms, uh, everyone has a mother, 
And families are constructed in different ways. I get that idea. Um, I've supported inclusion all through the Catholic board. Mm. But here we are with a, a, I use the word institution, if I might, Mother's Day, Father's Day. These are days where we honor not just our own mom, but the, the role that mothers play, the absolutely critical role that they play in the raising and development of our most valuable resource, our children. So, yes, we could micromanage it um, if we wanted to. I don't, uh, I don't think that's a good path to go down. But I l- try to look at it positively, that we've actually, in a way now, really, really emphasized the fact of how important moms are to this controversy. It's uh, TEC DSB trustee Marcus Domenico with us on Toronto Today uh, on 640 Toronto. I always try not to you know, throw everybody in the same box. So I'm really careful when I say politicians do this or, you know, idiot radio hosts do this or athletes do this. But you can imagine as well for trustees like yourself, this is difficult because people then say, what are the, what are all the school boards doing? And you're like, not all school boards are are in on this. Not all trustees are created equal and are in on this. Like, I, I bet you there's a little bit of a defense mechanism that you feel in situations like this. Well, Greg, That's a really good question. Um, When I ran for trustee in 2018, uh, my my goal was to build a school in my ward. That's what I wanted. And in fact, we're going to build two. But if you're going to run for public office, for example, as a trustee example, you're going to deal with a lot of people with a lot of different ideas. And some are extremely passionate about those ideas and they may not agree with your own. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to run, you know, find your center, find your ethical center and stick to it. Listen to your constituents, but ultimately, uh, I have to raise my hand or not on a vote, and I better believe in it. So it's a very funny balance. I find most politicians that I've met now since being elected, they're actually very, very good people. There's always a bad apple. Like, there's always, uh, you know, some uh, you know, bad hockey player like Florida Panthers and Go Leafs, <laughs> but... Uh, that aside, you know, people are people. We're just trying to do the best we can. And um, it's tricky dealing with a lot of uh, very hot topics. What do you do with a school um, that has 600 kids in it and a couple parents, maybe irrespective of each other, come and say, you know what we don't want anymore? High school dances. Nobody ever asks uh, Jennifer to dance. It makes her feel self-conscious. She wants to go because her friends are there, but she hates it. What do you do in a case like that where somebody says, I don't like de- field day is a great example. I saw you tweet a picture of, of field day. That, that's a meritocracy if there was, if there ever was one. Some of us were good at some things and some of us not when it came to athletics. But when two or three parents knock on your door basically with an email and say, we want you to get rid of this, how do you handle it? What, how do you respond and how do you not buckle? Well, the first thing you do is you listen. You have to listen to people, even if your initial reaction is like, what? I don't understand. You need to listen to them because if the, the fact that they reach out to you means that they're very emotionally, intellectually vested in this mm-hmm. concept. And I can learn from that. I don't have the book that says, you know, from A to Z, this is the correct answer. I can learn from this. And then I have to synthesize that information. Also look at it, what I believe is for the greater good of the entire board, because I'm a board member of the 12 of us and we govern the entire board of almost 90,000 students. So, you know, listen, but then again, you know, ultimately you're going to have to have a conversation and don't be afraid to give some pushback to the people who have a contrary view. 
and see if there's somewhere where you can mm. uh, find middle ground. But at some point, you're going to have to make a decision. And uh, every time you make a decision, there are people that will like it, and there's some that won't. That's just life. Um, and, you know, I, I have no problem dealing with that. You nailed it. You nailed it. Now, I, I want to tell people, because um, you told me, and I think it's worth amplifying, um, you fought um, for Pride Month. You fought for Pride Flags to fly at the Toronto Catholic District School Board. We talked about it all kicking off in York Region at a at a school a few weeks ago at a, at a board meeting, I should say. And that can't be an easy argument. Some parents may come to you and go, we're at a Catholic school and um, and we don't believe in what everybody else believes. And it's very difficult to have these nuanced conversations when people are yelling, well, one side is this and one side is discriminatory and one side is is contrary to Catholic. It, they're tough conversations. How did you pull yourself through that? Well, yeah, it is. It was a very tough conversation. Um, look, uh, I'm a father and a stepfather to seven children. I'm also now a, a grandfather to two and two more coming this year. Um, the bottom line for a school board trustee should really be what helps and benefits my students in my ward. I have almost 8,000 in my ward students, Catholic students. And when you when you really boil it down, and the pride issue was a good one, you know, we're not taking our curriculum and changing it. We still have our curriculum through a Catholic lens as is constitutionally guaranteed. But we don't have a constitutional right to do the wrong thing. Right. We don't have a constitutional right to make a student feel unwelcome because they may feel different. We want children to come to school, to be healthy, to be happy, to learn, to be welcomed, to be loved, and to participate in this beautiful educational opportunity that we are giving them. And I feel very sad, frankly, if a child comes to me, and I've, I've heard many stories, Greg, many stories of them saying in the Catholic school board at that time, 2020 to 21, they were feeling unwelcome, and I didn't like it. And um, yeah. once again, to reflect on something earlier, I wasn't elected for these social justice issues. I was elected to build a new high school in, in my ward. But, yeah. you know, I, I saw the need. I was willing to put up with, um, I'm yeah. going to say, a reasonable amount of flack. But we were successful. And we're the largest Catholic board, largest public Catholic board in the world. So what we do is seen as leadership, and we have to be leaders. I hear it. I hear it loud and clear. Hey, please come on again uh, and talk about these important issues. I really enjoyed having you today. Thank you, Greg, and go Leafs. Okay, well, yeah, uh, you know, hope hope springs eternal. Uh, we can write that on a, on a board outside uh, most uh, Toronto schools. Uh, Marcus, thanks very much for coming on. There's Marcus DiDomenico, or to TCDSB trustee. This is Toronto Today with Greg Brady. Toronto's news, today's talk. 640 Toronto. Are you in or out? Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So are we in or out? You're out. You are over and out. No, 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 no. You insulted him a little bit. I'm okay with it, but now you're making me feel weird about it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, we uh, we like to react to our uh, viral videos, and here's uh, basically a clip. And, and uh, we also like to test Gord Rennie, Rennie's ability to get every F word out of our viral clips. <laughs> Sooner or later, we're going to trap you. Well, and uh, and it's gonna ba- it's gonna reverb back. I've got your back. I, I really do. I, I you're not gonna leave those in on purpose. You no, don't. 
Absolutely not. It's, this is not an Andrew Dice Clay stand-up from 1990. We're not going to let certain words on on purpose. Yep. Okay, um, here's, a, here's a shoplifter, uh, alleged shoplifter, attempting to steal um, a bike. A, a, a bike. A, a, a bike that's put together. Not in a box, an actual bike from Dufferin Mall and employees trying to stop him. This goes great. No, 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 I think it's amazing that this guy was so committed. He had the bike and he's just pulling it out of the store while security are holding onto it and pulling it, trying to pull it back into the store. Like, I've never seen uh, a thief so determined. Aren't and the security to- guys more amazing than he is for like caring enough to stop the $900 bike from leaving the store? I would do the same thing. I would absolutely do the same thing. But for me, it was just like he just needed to get two wheels on the ground and jump on it. And he would have just taken off on the bike. I think but I've never seen someone so determined. He was he wanted it really badly. And then eventually three guys started tugging the other way and he gave up hearing it as many times as I had to uh, edit it uh, for. Uh, for yeah, well done. You, is, thank you. Is I think he, he was claiming that the, he came in with the bike. The bike was his. <laughs> That was his. That well, was there's his no label on it. No. Like it doesn't. Like there's no price tag on it or anything. It's not like yeah. a bike you see on the Price Is Right, where yeah. it's like shiny and it's got a price tag on it. And and uh, and I don't care if it's Bob Barker or Drew Carey. You're like, oh, that looks like a new bike. Yeah. I wasn't sure at first. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure. So our question for in or out is, and and this is gonna this is gonna really challenge people. Our listeners are very honest, very forthcoming. They tell us about their lives. Have you ever shoplifted as an adult? 416-870-6400. I'm not asking you if you have plans to. Um, have you ever shoplifted as an adult? 416-870-6400. And when we did our research for in or out, Sheba, we were surprised to find 70% of shoplifters are adults. Why do we always, why do we give teens such a bad name? We all think they're 14-year-olds stealing like Super Bowls and, and Oxy, uh, not Oxy Cotton, I'm but sure. Oxy uh, Pimple Stuff because they're embarrassed. <laughs> or condoms. That might be the one thing you would steal if you're 17, 18, 19. Right. You're like, how'd condoms? those get in there when you get up to the front? Yeah. You'd rather stick oh, them in your pocket gosh. and walk out. <laughs> well, one in 11 people shows, one in 11 people do steal, which I'm shocked at that. And men and women shoplift about equally as often. So there isn't one gender that does it more than the other. Mm. You surprised at that? I am. But you know what? I spent years working at the Eaton Center through university, through the summers when I was living downtown and I worked at Gap Kids and I'd, I'd, you'd have women that came in with the, their babies in strollers and they would take the clothing and shove it under the baby. Oh, the babies yeah. are props. Oh. I, bet you they, yeah. I bet you some did brought in those uh, fake babies you buy at Toys R Us, like the like Maybe. dolls. Yeah. I bet Maybe. you there are some dolls and getting pushed around in strollers. Stole them too. And then they take four pairs of adult <laughs> jeans. Um, 416-870-6400. So all of three of us have worked retail. That's a very unique experience. Have you ever stopped somebody? Did you ever have to stop a stroller or stop a woman stealing stuff? No, I, we were told. We were trained. You don't uh, come up to them. You don't Ooh, confront them. Oh, that's yeah, interesting. I wish I'd known yes. that. No, not yeah, that I would no, have come don't. to Gap Kids and taken a bunch of stuff. And just for the record, stuff. I'm out on shoplifting as an adult, but you have a story. Can you tell it really quickly? Well, I, I've, I've, 
I haven't shoplifted this century. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> what did you steal? I was a down on my luck, maybe, maybe in the late 90s. I think there's a statute okay. of limitations. Um, and I, I do not advocate for this. I've, I've changed. Um, I've learned, I always learn from my mistakes. Right. But it might have been happening more than once, so it wasn't a mistake. No, it was only, I think, a couple times. I can't, I can't remember. Uh, what now, was I, it? I can't, what's that? What was it? What did you steal? <sighs> it, um, Tell us. It was for um, a toe fungus. <laughs> <laughs> like the commercial. Like the commercial. Oh, it'll just go away on its own. No one, idiot. It's a toe fungus. Oh. You need some medication I didn't for remember it. remember in the commercial where it says I go to really the store think steal. I was embarrassed. So maybe that's why I, I surreptitiously brought up the condoms. All right. So my story. So Shiva shared her experience working with Gap Kids. How long were you at Gap Kids for? Oh, I think it was a year. A year of university. I had like two jobs mm. and I was in university. It was busy. Best professional year of your life. Uh, you've told us many, many times. You said, I've never liked a job as much. Uh, they've only gone downhill from there for, for your overall, for your chemical reaction and excitement, right. I think, of at course, a certain point in time. Course. And Gort- I didn't have kids. I hated kids at the time. So I don't oh, know what I was doing working at Gap Well, you kids. probably saw a lot of them. Like you got to you gotta help a four-year-old like pull a sweater over their head and get, you gotta take stuff back that some little brat has worn for three months. Hey, there were some celebrities that came in and I- Let's and they talk were, about they that. for their kids. Uh, I forget her name. The woman from, um, uh, 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 uh. Multi-talented. Black Panther. She's from Black Panther. She's the mom. Uh, the queen, the, oh my gosh, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> was she nominated for the Oscar? Lup- not, yes. not Lupita uh, Nyong'o. No, no, no. Her mother. Her mother. Is it Angela Bassett? Yeah. That's no, huge. It an- That's who it is. Yeah, Angela Bassett. Yeah. She Tina came Turner in, in what's love got to do with it. Yeah. Yes. She came in with her daughter. She was super professional, super nice. Uh, but we, it was Eaton center, right? So if yeah, you would see famous town, people there. Yeah. They would come in with their kids. So yeah. All right, Gord, you had a Radio Shack experience. Yes. I, I had a. I worked at a place called Best Buy, not the current Best Buy, but a Best Buy that just sold CDs and tapes, and I'll tell you my story in a sec, but you worked at, at Radio Shack. Yes, at the Don Mills shopping mall before it became the shops at Don Mills. They uh, they said, you know, don't bother chasing the guy, but my instincts, they, I saw him walk off with something, I don't know, a transistor or something, whatever we sold it. Uh, I know you're, you had various shack. efforts at police college that Did didn't work out, but this him? was your chance to yeah. enforce the law yeah, and lay, lay some smack down. I had the Starsky and Hutch theme in my head, and I chased after him, but he did find my one weakness. He did run beyond it. It was a ten, foot chase? Yeah, it was a foot chase. <laughs> he ran beyond the 10-foot barrier, and I, I got winded, and I had to let him go. That's right. That's right. That's right. Do you, uh, and and uh, sh- uh, shockingly, they don't give Radio Shack employees tasers i have no idea why that just would only make or some kind of yeah. lawn dart system or something just just you could put a little one. sharp thing in their back yeah. and they're gonna they're gonna drop with all the stuff they sold they um, could have made it one easy so my story is is the guys would take um we put these security tags these silver security tags that were meant to go beep 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 in the uh on the back of cds we we're selling a lot of compact discs back then in the mid 90s <laughs> and so um but but the the bootlegs you would they would peel off the cds because these were very valuable cds they would get like you know big pearl jam concert or an rem concert so they charge like 45 bucks for these cds so kids wanted them really badly so we'd slide the cds into the actual hole uh at the top so you can't just peel the cd off the back you could do that with your standard nine dollar cd bottom line is i caught a kid and uh and basically like he tried to like he was squirming past me and i stopped him after the thing went and like i kind of pinned him against the 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 door oh wow 
and then we kept i'm telling you this i don't remember the order of this but my reference is we marched him to the back office like we kind of like kidnapped him kept him in the back office called the cops the cops said okay you know to kind of scare him and then we made him call his mom and his mom came he's probably like 18 he his mom came to the back office and she picked him up we would never be allowed to do that now no we were it would be forcible confinement yep i'd face like nine charges like that kid could have but sheba when you watch the bike video now i wish we could get those employees on the air like, why did they care so much about that? That guy could have been anybody with any weapon, with any amount of friends, and they they were not letting him take that bicycle. Amazing. Amazing. That's what I would have done, too. I, just not because I want to save the bicycles. Mm. You're not leaving the store without paying. But it is my dream to rob a bank. You guys know that. Right? I've never <laughs> stolen as a sell. It's. I'm telling you, it's the rush of it. I will leave the money at the front door the next day. I don't want the money. I just want to rob the bank. So who knows? Before I die, bucket list. I had a friend of mine who worked in like a theater, like a, like a Galleria type, like eight cinema theater thing. And he knew exactly. He would tell us this. He worked in both jobs. So he worked part time with us at the, at the CD store and he worked part time at the movie theater. And he was like, I know exactly when to rob them, how to rob them, how not to get caught, wow. where the security. He had this planned out. And it was almost like he was sort of crowdsourcing us to go like. Do you guys want in on this? And I'm right. thinking, I do not. I uh, <laughs> Law school is going to be hard to get into with a armed robbery conviction. Well, you're already a thief as it is. We're stealing like... You, what, toe fungus. <laughs> Excuse me. It's my toes. Okay, that's what you want to call I could have been in that commercial with the guy going, ah, nah, don't worry about it, kids. It's nothing. Mind you, it'd be right. painful in a foot chase. Thank if- you. Exactly. Well, no, it, it, was, it didn't have gangrene. <laughs> oh, okay. I, okay. <laughs> we did get a lot of responses on this, and I love the honesty. So here's one. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of whether you've shoplifted as an adult, groceries under my cart and under the kid's stroller. The cashiers never check, so I just paid for the rest of the groceries, and I left. It's like the Ikea commercial. Start the car and go. Do you know so so, just- somebody who worked at a grocery store told me once that they use a code word and the one they told me is Bob and I don't that's below like a meaning like check below. So somebody would yell out, hey, is Bob working today? And if you hear that in the grocery store, that means somebody's trying to take something big out on the undercarriage of the cart. I never knew that before that. they told me that code words, everybody code words. I love that. Okay, here's another one. Uh, I accidentally took a greeting card when I was grocery shopping. I left it in the reusable bags when I was doing the self-checkout. And I have to admit, when I saw how easy it was and how ridiculously priced greeting cards are, <laughs> I did it again. But it's it's true. You go into one of those greeting card stores. It's like now it's like six, seven, eight dollars for a tiny little card. But here's what you do: you get that box of cards. You know, have you ever yeah. heard of that? like? Uh, Costco or whatever you can get that and it's got every celebration in it and granted in my uh, I guess in my um, life phase right now I don't have a lot of you know sorry for your loss card like people to give it to so I have a stack of the sorry for loss but I use everything else so I find that really cheap and really useful so I'll give you I'll give you a card envelope story from high school for me and this this I think I've gotten smarter since then so I go in and I want to buy Valentine's no, Christmas cards for um, – because in high school, you'd give each other Christmas cards, weirdly, like on the last day of school. Maybe you'd have a dance that afternoon. So I'd look for three or four girls that I thought might be um, cute and didn't find me repulsive, and I'd get them Christmas cards. You know, I'd give them to a guy, right? So so I go into Masonville Mall in London, and I buy three or four Christmas cards, and I come out, and my mom's like, where are the envelopes? And I'm like, 
Oh, no, you, you didn't. Yeah, absolutely. I'm for, I'm like 14 or 15. I'm like, well, don't we have some of those at home? And she's like, well, yeah, we do. But you're supposed to take the envelope with the card. Gord. I yes. mean, at that point, then I've... Who, <laughs> that, like, really? Like, I, I was like mad at her. I'm like, well, now you tell me. I'm like, no, nah, she thinks that, you know, you, you, you put left foot in front of right every day. That's kind of common knowledge. Yeah. What, what am I raising here? And so what here? did you do? You went to the girls with I the went back. Card? No, I went back into the store and I'm like, I just bought these and I forgot to get the envelopes. And then like the 25-year-old female clerk is like, what an idiot you are. I could tell that's the expression. Uh, well, what did you think the uh, She might have been right. Hey, thank there. you. Yes. What? What did you okay. think the envelopes were there for? I, I have no idea. I, maybe I thought they were extra. Oh, my God. Maybe I thought you had the option. Maybe oh I thought you God. had the option. Like when you go to get your oil change and they offer you a whole bunch of other undercarriage stuff, sir? No. Envelope okay. for your card? Absolutely <laughs> not. I will not tolerate that that upcharging. You know, I'm not going to be upcharged on this. Here's my favorite text, okay, from okay. this topic. I have never stolen anything as an adult, but if I did, I would do it this way, okay? This person. Yes, I did steal as an adult. I was having such a bad day. Someone died, and I was in, on a leave for two years due to a glitch in the system. I could not get off this leave. Things were at a low. So I went to a rich neighborhood, walked into a grocery store, stole a fancy piece of cake and made myself a coffee at one of their coffee machines and went to their patio and ate it. No one realized I didn't pay. <laughs> I love this. They stole cake and a coffee. That's what you would and do. And ate it in front of everybody. Chiba, yeah. that's what you, you, you would tell. Like You tell police officers, I, I'm from a family of cops. I know cops. I am pro-police and they don't give you a ticket. You would honestly, if you got stopped taking cake from a store, you'd be like, listen, someone died earlier this morning. You're really going to hold me here for questioning? And then they'd be like, who? And you're like, Greg and Gord at the same time at nine o'clock. They died. They both died. They both died, dropped dead because they were exhausted. Rich neighborhood and fancy piece of cake. I love that. That's what you stole. That's goals. We need mayoral candidates to weigh in on that. I will not arrest anyone for shoplifting. I'm going to be a strong mayor of not arresting people for stealing cake. I'm not going to tell the citizens, let them eat cake. I'm going to tell them I'm not going to arrest them unless it's one of those spongy, spongy coffee cakes because those you should pay for. They're so great.